Today on Truths That Transform. A republic is a government by law. If you ask the average person today what kind of government we have, they will tell you we have a democracy. I think that George Washington probably was the most decent American that we've ever had. He was a, a very successful general, and he was just a decent person. And after the war, they wanted to make him king. And he said, no, we did not fight a war to have a monarchy. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries. We want to invite you to stay connected to us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube by looking for D. James Kennedy Ministries. And also visit us on the web at djkm.org for a robust library of programs, interviews, features, and resources. Many people take our American freedoms for granted. That's one reason why we're beginning to lose them. America was founded upon a governing document, the Constitution, that keeps the government in its place and protects our God-given rights. But today, many of our institutions are obsessed with canceling our founders. And as we vilify them and turn away from their vision, liberty suffers. On today's program, you'll discover the genius and uniqueness of America's Constitution. As we begin, Dr. Jerry Newcomb and our Providence Forum have produced a new documentary that examines the close connection between Christianity and our founding documents. We want to share an excerpt from this new important program entitled, We the People. George Washington presided over the Constitutional Convention. He sat on a chair with a picture of the sun half-risen or half-setting. Benjamin Franklin thought it an apt picture. Is the sun rising on America or is it setting? Time would tell. Throughout the entire convention, Washington presided but spoke very little. The man who spoke the most at the convention was Pennsylvania delegate Governor Morris, James Madison of Virginia kept copious notes of the convention, but these were only released upon his death. He is sometimes called the father of the Constitution. He certainly was one of its biggest advocates. He worked tirelessly to champion its cause before, during, and after the convention. I think that George Washington probably was the most decent American that we've ever had. He was a, a very successful general, and he was just a decent person. And after the war, they wanted to make him king. And he said, no, we did not fight a war to have a monarchy. James Madison would come in, I think, a clear second as another decent American and the father, essentially the father of the United States Constitution. James Madison of Virginia was born in 1751. Surprisingly, as a Virginian, he chose to attend Princeton, not William and Mary. 
After graduating Princeton, Madison stayed on an extra year studying how to translate the Bible into English and back into Hebrew and Greek. Mr. Madison was sent to Princeton College, perhaps through fear of the skeptical principles then so prevalent at William and Mary. During his stay at Princeton, a great revival took place and it was believed that he partook of its spirit. On his return home, he conducted worship in his father's house. He soon after offered for the legislature, and it was objected to him by his opponents that he was better suited to the pulpit than to the legislative hall, Bishop Mead. But Madison's ministry, if it could be called that, was in the political realm. He lost his first election to a statewide office because his opponent provided little bottles of alcohol for those who would vote for him. But Madison ran again later and won, and he served on a committee in 1776 that framed a Bill of Rights for the state of Virginia. Madison insisted on religious liberty, not mere tolerance, in that document. This was something he had learned well from his main teacher at Princeton, the president of the school, the Reverend Dr. John Witherspoon, a devout Presbyterian who came from Scotland. Some scholars note that Witherspoon is perhaps best known as the Founding Father, who as an educator trained many of the Founding Fathers. Madison returned to Virginia where he became an attorney. He befriended Thomas Jefferson, a kindred spirit, and worked with him. Together they worked to safeguard religious freedom. They were heroes to the evangelicals of their day, such as the Baptists who were punished by the officials in Virginia for preaching without a license, a license they could not obtain because they were Baptists by choice and not members of the Church of England. Madison was a key player at the Constitutional Convention in 1787 and a key player also to get it ratified. After the Constitution was written, the founders had to convince the various states to adopt it. New York was reticent, and so under the pseudonym Publius, letters were sent to the editors of newspapers throughout the state. These essays came to be known as the Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers were authored by three primary lawyers, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. And they promoted the ratification of the U.S. Constitution as a Federalist concept. And so what that means is that we understand that the federal government is required for preservation of the Union, but that the founders recognized that state government and state sovereignty was important and had to be close to the people but also a third tier, that of self-governance. And so when we look at the Ninth and Tenth Amendments that were ultimately ratified as part of our Bill of Rights, we see that we have specific limited powers given to our federal governments, our state governments, and that any powers not given to those two branches are reserved to we the people. The founding generation were very distrustful of this new national government that was being created. Let's remember they had fought a war of independence uh, against a centralized authority operated out of London that wasn't attentive to the needs of the people at the local level. And there were many Americans at the moment of the creation of the new national government that had fears that we would simply see that same problem emerge. There would be a distant national centralized government that would run roughshod over the rights and liberties of citizens. There is scarce a king in a hundred who would not, if he could, follow the example of Pharaoh get first all the people's money, then all their lands, and then make them and their children servants forever. Ben Franklin.
The genius of the founders and what makes America what it is and what it has been by God's grace for 240-something years is their idea that we need checks and balances because the biblical view that man is fallen is inescapable. Somehow you need to have a check on power. How do you do that? Well, they said separation of powers is the main way that we will do that. Well, the notion of separation of powers again goes back to the Old Testament. As the Jews put it in the covenant, you have three crowns, the monarchy, the priesthood, and the prophets. And none of them have final power. The rights were inherently given to the people by God and that all the government could do would be to take away the rights of the people. All men having power ought not to be trusted. James Madison. The founders thought that mankind was basically sinful. So they had to devise a system to cope with that uh, uh, sinfulness. And one of the ways they did was to keep government limited. They did not trust government, but they know that we needed some government, but we have to keep government as small as possible. Mankind, when left to themselves, are unfit for their own government. George Washington. Till the millennium comes, in spite of all our boasted light and purification, hypocrisy and treachery will continue to be the most successful commodities in the political market. Alexander Hamilton. One of the keys to understanding the Constitution is its emphasis on dividing power so that no one person or group of people could lord the power unto themselves. They had begun the proceedings on May 25th and eventually finished the task and signed the document September 17th. But the Constitution was not signed by every one of the 55 men who served as delegates to the Constitution. Only 39 of them signed it, a ratio of about 60%. Nonetheless, it was produced and signed to the delight of many, including George Washington. It appears to me then little short of a miracle that the delegates from so many different states, which states you know are also different from each other in their manners, circumstances, and prejudices, should unite in forming a system of national government so little liable to well-founded objections. George Washington. America is in crisis. What we do now will echo down through generations. America can be saved, but not if we fail to act. We have an important book we'd like to send you called Seven Steps for a Nation in Crisis by D. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb. It contains meditations and prayers on the seven steps necessary to restore America and maintain God's shield over it. And we will send it to you at no cost or obligation to you. Contact us today and ask for Seven Steps for a Nation in Crisis to receive these powerful biblical solutions to the challenges America currently faces. The founders of America recognized the sinfulness of humanity, which was taught by the Bible and their own experience. As a result, they limited the power of government through the Constitution and they made provisions for school children to be taught biblical truth, which they knew was essential for a free society. But in recent decades, that truth has been banned by the secularist, and our freedom itself is diminishing as a result. Dr. D. James Kennedy explains in this portion of his message, 
the Bible and the Constitution. In 1787, 55 founders of this country met to perform what has been called the miracle in Philadelphia and gave out which, that which has been described in England as the greatest work of the mind of ever struck from the mind of uninspired men, the Constitution of the United States. There is no doubt that there is greater controversy over just exactly what it was that they gave us and what were their intentions in giving it to us than there has ever been before. In 1986, a federal judge in Chicago said this, the truth is that America's origins are Christian and that our founding fathers intended and achieved full religious freedom for all within the context of a Christian nation. In the First Amendment as it was adopted rather than as we have rewritten it. May I say that many of these principles have been so obscured in recent decades as to be almost unrecognizable. They gave us a government by law and not by men. That is the meaning of a republic. A republic is a government by law. If you ask the average person today what kind of government we have, they will tell you we have a democracy. Do you realize that the Founding Fathers believed that democracy was the worst form of government? That is so alien to modern secularists that they have no idea. They believe that because of the sinfulness of man that when you had rule by men, you were on your way to tyranny. Whether it was ruled by an individual man, a king, or ruled by the majority, they feared the mob rule. We saw rule by men. They had just seen it take place in France in the French Revolution. The prevailing view in England was rex lex, the king is law. Whatever the king says is the law. But Samuel Rutherford is a Christian taking his teachings from the Bible said the law is king, lex rex. And therefore, as the people of God had been governed by the law of God given to them in the Ten Commandments, so also they were going to be governed by law. By the way, the Ten Commandments were first introduced into civil government outside of Israel by St. Patrick. In 432 in Ireland, the Ten Commandments became part of the civil law of Ireland. Shortly thereafter, in the 500s, they became part of the civil law in Scotland by Columba. And in 600, they became, because of the work of the monk Augustine, they became part of the civil law of England. And so also, they became part of the law of America. So that was the first principle that they gave us, that government is to be by law and not by men. Second principle that they gave us was that all men are created equal. Now this was a radical departure from what had been known. In England, you certainly didn't have equality. You had the nobility and hoi polloi, the unwashed masses, the many. And uh, that was completely eschewed by the founding fathers who believed 
that all men were created equal. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. And so therefore they saw that men were created equal before God. And so therefore they gave us that equality. Now, that was the principle. It took us another hundred years before that principle was fully explicated and uh, all men were considered to be equal, but the principle was enshrined in the Constitution. Thirdly, they gave us inalienable rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, said Thomas Jefferson in his uh, declaration. I should say that that really is not quite accurate. Those truths are not self-evident. If they were self-evident to mankind, they would have been self-evident to everyone. But these were radical departures from anything which had been seen before. The truth of the matter is, though Jefferson was probably the least person to want to acknowledge this, is that these were not self-evident, they were something that was taught, they were things that were taught in the scripture. That people had rights that came from God. God, by the way, guarantees our rights in the Ten Commandments. The right of private property is guaranteed in the commandment, thou shalt not steal. The sanctity of life and our right to life is guaranteed in the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And so the various rights that we have come from the guarantees that God has given us by his commandments. Do away with the commandments and you do away with our inalienable rights. So it, you see that when the Supreme Court says we can't put the Ten Commandments up on the walls of our schools, that they are indeed chipping away at the inalienable rights that we have from God, though most people don't recognize what's happened. As I said, most people usually end up saying what happened. Liberty. Christians believe the text that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free, the Bible says. And when the shackles of sin had been broken, shortly thereafter, everywhere, those who had been set free by Christ and had been given spiritual freedom began to seek political and civil freedom as well. And so it was a tremendous impetus of Christian redemption that moved people to seek the liberty in every part of their lives. And so that was guaranteed to us in the, in the Constitution, an extent of liberty never before seen anywhere else in the world, and it came from the Word of God. All of these things and many others show us that it was out of the Bible that the principles of Christianity were brought forth and wedded to the principles of civil government. Therefore, I think today we need to become informed about these things so that we can stand up and tell the truth to our people, to see that this country is not cut off from its roots, that it may wither and die in a secular soil devoid of the nutriments of spiritual life. We need to become knowledgeable about what was given to us and we need to become active in supporting it. How tragic it is that so many Christians have by default let this nation drift more and more into secularism by not praying for our nation, by not working, by not even voting in many cases. Half the Christians in a survey 10 years ago didn't even vote in a national election. This is absolutely sinful. Christians need to become involved. 
to pass on to our posterity this great heritage which is gradually sifting through our fingers like sand because of our ignorance, because of our apathy in our own day. Dear friends, I would urge you to recommit yourself to that great, the great principles that our founding fathers gave us in the founding documents of this nation and to strive by every method by our prayers, by our efforts, by our work, by our evangelization to make this nation a Christian nation once more. Because of the abandonment of these principles, all manner of ills and plagues and problems have descended upon this country. Our only hope is to go back to the foundations and to rebuild the Christian heritage that made this nation great. The greatest and highest glory of the American Revolution was just this, that it combined in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. America's founders anchored our rights in God himself. They recognize that we are endowed by our creator with rights that cannot be given or taken away by the government. So it's no surprise that as our nation moves farther away from God, our rights and freedoms are beginning to crumble. In recent decades, the secular left has waged an all-out war on our religious liberty. It's becoming increasingly common for local governments to penalize Christians who won't go along with sexual anarchy or the transgender movement. That's why it's more important than ever for you to understand the Constitution as our forefathers envisioned it and know how to stand up for it. We've produced a book we want to share with you entitled Reclaiming the Lost Legacy, the Founders and the First Amendment. And we'll send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to help us continue the work of this ministry. Our founders bequeathed to us a system of government that protected freedom like no other government in history. They built upon a key insight that our rights come from God. In order to reclaim this legacy, we must have a historically proper understanding of the cornerstone of all of our freedoms as found in the First Amendment. This book provides that while examining the actual words of the founders who anticipated many of the current abuses of our freedoms. Reclaiming the Lost Legacy will remind you why our heritage of liberty is worth preserving today and will set forth concrete steps for how we can do it. It's yours as thanks for your generous donation. And as thanks for your gift of $40 or more, we'll send you Reclaiming the Lost Legacy, plus the new DVD documentary, We the People, produced by Dr. Jerry Newcomb and Providence Forum. This documentary is part of the Foundation of American Liberty series, and it features commentary from Eric Metaxas, William J. Federer, Jenna Ellis, Dennis Prager, and more. We the People examines the powerful connection between Christianity and America's founding documents. You saw a short portion of it earlier in this program, and it's available exclusively through this ministry. Receive the entire documentary on DVD as our thanks for your gift to help us continue to proclaim the gospel, defend America's Judeo-Christian heritage, and to equip believers to live out their faith in an increasingly godless world. 
simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. America as we know it exists because groups of Protestant reformers left England to settle in America so that they could live, teach, and worship as they believe the Bible directed. Their biblical principles ultimately gave birth to the covenants and constitutions that made America the freest and most prosperous nation on earth. But that was really a byproduct of their work. Their key concern was to worship God. They understood the Bible's teachings that we are all sinners. As their New England primer put it, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. You and I are born in sin, and we stand guilty before a perfect, just, and holy God. In your heart, you know you've done wrong. You know you failed to live up to God's perfect holiness. That creates a problem because God is just and he must punish sin. As the prophet Isaiah says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Make no mistake, this is terrible news. So what can we do? Well, that's where the good news comes in. The news that was the foundation of all the work of the America's settlers. Though we can do nothing, God has done something for us. He's just, but he's also merciful and gracious. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world as a human being to pay for your sins. On the cross, Jesus suffered the punishment, the wrath of God that your sins deserved in your place. He died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead to prove his victory and secure your salvation. God himself tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can't earn it. It's a free gift that can only be received by faith. Have you done that? Well, if not, let today be the day of your salvation. Would you pray with me right now from your heart? Father, I confess that I've sinned against you. I've broken your commandments and I deserve your punishment. But Lord, I wanna turn away from my sins. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again from the dead and I want to put my trust in him for my salvation. Please come into my heart and change me so that I can grow in my obedience to you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. If you sincerely prayed that prayer, we have a gift we'd like to send you at no cost or obligation to you. It's beginning again, Dr. Kennedy's book for new believers to help you get started in your relationship with Christ. Contact us and receive your free copy today and may God bless you as you do. If you're ever in Fort Lauderdale, we'd love to have you come worship with us at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. 
And you can also join us by live stream every Sunday at crpc.tv, where you'll also find past live streams. Thank you for being with us. And here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. God is very interested in government. It's his idea. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.